Well, hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Joe Galati podcast, broadcasting high above the Texas Medical Center in Houston, purveyor of all things related to the liver, health and wellness, nutrition, food and cooking, and all around doctor banter and witty repartee with our experts that visit us. Our website is drjoegalati.com. If you'd like to send me a note, subscribe to our newsletter, or even see me as a patient. If you want to call and be part of the program, dial us at 888-438-9431. And now, on with the podcast. Well, it is... Sunday night in America. Thank you very much for tuning in. I am Dr. Joe Galati. We're here every, every single Sunday evening at the hour of 7 p.m. Central Time, broadcasting from our world headquarters at iHeartRadio 740 KTRH and beaming around the country on the iHeart radio app. And your health first. What is it all about? If you are a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new, if you're driving around on Sunday evening or tuned in and you say, your health first, what is that all about? Well, it is exactly that. Putting your health first. Thinking of your health first. I like to say we want to make you better consumers of healthcare, make you truly understand how your body works. That little pain on the side of your head, you should have an idea what it is instead of saying, eh, it's just my head, who cares? Now, if you were driving your car and you heard a thump or a clickety, 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 click coming from the right wheel, you say, what the hell is going on here? Let me pull over. Let me go see Jerry the mechanic tomorrow. All right? So as humans, we respond totally differently, sometimes inappropriate, to different things. So the human body, a lot of the times, we just ignore what's going on. My job, all of us on the Your Health First team, want to make you think to make sure you understand what this body does. And there's no doubt, can't argue it, if you identify problems early, pick up the phone and call your doctor early, get testing, diagnostics, whatever, early, you're going to have a far better outcome. And what does that mean? You're going to be happy or happier at the very least. If you're not happy to start off with because of other stuff, we might not be able to help you. But certainly seeing people sick is a total downer. So anyway, that's what we want you to do. Now, to be part of the program, our website, drjoegalati.com, drjoegalati.com. Sign up for our newsletter. We've revamped the newsletter. So sign up. You're going to get one in the next couple of weeks. DrJoeGalati.com. All of our social media is there. We want you to like us, follow us, share it. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. A lot of videos for you to look at. Now, on the program tonight, 
Dr. Suda Kadali will be coming back, making another cameo appearance. Uh, a few weeks ago, she was on, and we talked about liver cancer. I think October was Liver Cancer Awareness Month, and she was gracious enough to come on in and spend a little bit of her Sunday night. But she's coming back again. There were a number of questions and clarifications that people wanted to know about. So I said, look, you did such a great job last time. Come on back in, and she'll be with us uh, in just a little bit. If you want to find the entire interview with Dr. Kadali, you could do it two ways. If you go to our YouTube page, the entire interview at KTRH is posted. If you want to see what the inside of KTRH looks like, go to our YouTube channel. Or if you're not so much into the visualization of all this, you can go to our podcast, which also is linked on, you got it, drjogalati.com. So make sure you do that. All right, what I want to uh, want to chat about tonight, and I wasn't going to talk about this, but when I looked a little closer, I, I thought that there were some good learning opportunities here for everybody. So what we're dealing with is the month of November is Stomach Cancer Awareness Month. Now there again, who would have thought that stomach cancer has its own awareness month? Now, this is perfect because truly what I want everybody to do tonight that you are listening, if you're at home, grab a piece of paper and a pen. Write these symptoms down. So the signs and symptoms of stomach cancer may include, now these are the, the, the more common things, difficulty swallowing. Now you say difficulty swallowing. I thought the stomach was like nothing to do with swallowing. If you have a stomach cancer that is high up in the stomach, it's called the fundus of the stomach, where the esophagus transitions into the stomach at the esophageal gastric junction, if you've got a cancer there, it's going to block things up and you're going to have difficulty swallowing. A feeling of bloating after you eat. Feeling full after eating a small amount of food. The technical term for that is early satiety. Heartburn indigestion, nausea, stomach pain, unintentional weight loss, or vomiting. Now, a lot of you may be sitting there and you say, well, what's he talking about? I always have indigestion or I'm always nauseous. My mother told me nauseousness runs in the family. Well, that's an insane approach. We have, as a society accepted heartburn no different than realizing every morning the sun is going to come up. You got heartburn. The guy next to you at work has heartburn. Your two golf buddies have heartburn. Your workout buddies have heartburn. Everybody's got heartburn. What do you do? Take the purple pill. You could get a purple pill, these acid-suppressing medicines, at the gas station, 
You don't even have to saunter into CVS or Walgreens. Just fill up the tank, get a pack of gum or chips, whatever you like when you go to the service station, and you can pick up Nexium, Protonix, Omiprazole, whatever you want. And that's part of the problem because we're self-medicating ourselves. That's a little insane. It's a little scary too. So you have to look at yourself and say, am I one of these people that is bloated after I eat? Red flag alert, go see your doctor. Do I have constant heartburn and indigestion? Red flag, go see your doctor, talk to somebody. Unintentional weight loss, double, double, red flag, look into it, all right? Now, the key thing here, and I'll I'll say it again, we have all experienced these symptoms, but when they go on for more than a few days or a week, you have to bring it up. Call your doctor. Now, if you are truly the informed consumer, which watching this, listening to this radio program, you are, you can say, look, I am concerned that I am filling up early. I am concerned that I'm having more heartburn than usual, and I have stomach pain. The answer should not be, oh, here, just go pick up some Pepsid AC, some Zantac or something like that. You have to say, number one, examine me. Number two, do I need blood work, any diagnostics? Maybe an endoscopy, okay, where we put a scope into your esophagus, stomach, and small small bowel, and take a look and see what the mucosa looks like. But again, I think we are all settling for really bad care. And in a sense, dumbing it down. Demand more from yourself. Demand more from your physician. Now, what are the risk factors? And then we'll take a break here. Gastroesophageal reflux disease. So again, heartburn over a prolonged period of time is not normal. Obesity. Here is the obesity card. Obesity is the cause of so many things and especially cancer. A diet high in salty and smoked foods. A diet low in fruits and vegetables. If you have a family history of stomach cancer, that's sort of a red flag to look out for. Any infection with Helicobacter pylori, we like to call it H. pylori, It's an infection that can cause a certain kind of stomach cancer. Long-term gastritis, inflammation of your stomach, smoking, and a history of stomach polyps. So hopefully you understand the symptoms, heartburn, indigestion, nausea, stomach pain, unintentional weight loss, vomiting, feeling full, bloated, difficulty swallowing, and your risk factors. Do you eat a lot of cured meats, salty and smoked foods? Do you eat a really lousy diet with low in fruit and vegetables? And uh, do you smoke? All right. So think of all that. All right. We're going to take a break now. Dr. Suda Kadali is in the wings in a short while. Don't forget drjogalati.com. Sign up for our newsletter. If you want to see me as a patient, there's an opportunity to send a message there as well. Stay tuned. I'll be right back.
Welcome back, everybody. Dr. Joe Galati. Every Sunday between 7 and 8 p.m., we're here. For the regular listeners, you know that inside of me, in addition to the doctoring, is a frustrated disc jockey. This is the one hour a day I get to play what I want on the radio. It really doesn't get any better than that from a music standpoint. Uh, Janice Joplin, Texas Owen. If you um, if you've got Netflix, there is really a very nice documentary on Janice Joplin, and I, I watched it a couple of years ago when it came out. And this poor lady, this poor young girl, was really terrorized as a young adult by friends, especially at UT in Austin, University of Texas at Austin, where they were absolutely miserable to her. So she was already a bit of an odd duck. Uh, She's from the uh, Port Arthur area of Texas. So she was always, uh, you know, sort of on the fringe with the music, running with sort of the wrong crowd, did not quite conform to what her parents wanted or her other siblings. She was out there. But she wanted to pursue music and the arts in a, in a real genuine way. And she goes to UT. Well, a tradition at UT at the end of the uh, school year in the spring the I believe it was the school newspaper had a vote, a contest on the ugliest guy, the ugliest guy on campus award. I don't know what the formal name of it was. And it was one of those things, the end of the year, sort of a rite of passage. Who's going to be the ugly guy on campus? Well, this particular year, who do you think they chose as the ugliest guy? They picked Janice Joplin. So uh, really quite a blow to her. And at that point, she pretty much picked up, got in a Volkswagen with some friends, and headed to the West Coast, and the, uh, the rest is history. So uh, all right, drjogalati.com is our website. Sign up for our newsletter and all that we have to offer there. Dr. Suda Kadali talking about Liver cancer, not stomach cancer, liver cancer is going to be coming up in just a couple of minutes after the news. What I want to do is, you know, Thanksgiving is a couple weeks away, and uh, that's going to be interesting how we all celebrate it with COVID. But we're starting to think about Christmas, Christmas and holiday gifts. And so what I would say, if you want a really easy, thoughtful gift, pick up my book, Eating Yourself Sick. Now, the subtitle is How to Stop Obesity, Fatty Liver, and Diabetes from Killing You and Your Family. 
Last week, I was out in Palm Springs uh, with my son, and we connected with a, uh, a friend of ours who's uh, a nurse. And we sat for a while, and she said, how did you come up with the title, Eating Yourself Sick? And I first have to give my wife, Geraldine, full, uh, full credit for coming up with that title. But she came up with the title, Eating Yourself Sick, because really— what we are seeing is that what you are eating, what we are eating, is killing us. Now, what do you mean killing us? We're eating food. We're eating processed food, food out of a box, food out of a can, food that's made in a manufacturing plant that is stripped of nutrients, filled up with fat, sugar, salt, chemicals. And we're consuming this stuff by the container ship full. And it is leading to obesity, which leads to fatty liver cirrhosis, liver cancer, spoiler alert, Dr. Kadali coming up. It leads to hypertension, coronary artery disease. That leads to heart disease, stroke, heart attack. High blood pressure leads to kidney disease, kidney failure, the need to get hooked up to a dialysis machine three days a week for three hours a day. That's fun. Obesity leads to increased rates of cancer. Obesity leads to heart disease, bone disease. Nothing good comes out of it. Pick it up on Amazon. If you instant message me through Instagram, okay? Instant message me or direct message, whatever you call it on Instagram. I will send you, you'll have to pay for it. I will send you a signed book with whoever you want me to send it out to. So do that now. Go to Instagram. You go to Dr. Joe Galati. Instagram is at Dr. Joe Galati. That's our, our sort of handle. All right. Dr. Gadali is coming up. I'm Dr. Joe Galati, drjoegalati.com. Trying to raise your health IQ one listener at a time every day. That's what we're after. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Everybody, Dr. Joe Galati. Thanks for tuning in on this Sunday evening. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we had Dr. Suda Kadali, and it was October. We're now into November. It was Liver Cancer Awareness Month, and she was kind enough to come in and spend some time. And we had a fair amount of time to explore what you need to know about liver cancer, risk factors, uh, signs and symptoms. And in the two weeks or so that have passed, a, uh, a handful of sort of emails and messages that uh, a lot of you wanted some clarification. So by special request, Dr. Kadali is back in the studio again tonight. Suda, you're becoming a, an absolute regular here. Well, I love that, and thank you so much for having me on tonight again. I really appreciate it. All right. You're going to really get the hang of this pretty soon, so uh, I'm going to have to watch. You're going to be taking over uh, oh. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the position here. So um, so one one of the questions that is is always confusing is, 
when we talk about cirrhosis, and cirrhosis is a general risk factor for cancer, liver cancer, primary liver cancer, a lot of people don't get how you can get cirrhosis unrelated to alcohol or being alcoholic. There still is this mindset that only alcoholics, problem drinkers get cirrhosis. So clear that up for everybody. Sure. So alcohol is one of the reasons to get cirrhosis as many, many other reasons or risk factors for cirrhosis. Here in the US, the most common risk factors being infections like hepatitis B or C. And what we see a lot more now than maybe 10 years ago is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which is also called NASH. And this is in patients or people who do not drink alcohol. So that, along with alcohol, are the more common risk factors for cirrhosis. Of course, there's a lot of rare causes or risk factors, and we see a huge uh, category in women, and these are called autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. There's other uh, conditions like hemochromatosis and rare uh, disorders that also increase the risk for cirrhosis. So the basic point being anything that irritates your liver, anything that damages your liver cells can over time cause cirrhosis. And ultimately cancer. Yes, that's true. Any yeah. reason for cirrhosis is a risk factor for cancer. And You know, I going off a little on a tangent, it is the chronic inflammation in the liver that ultimately leads to cancer and and so many different types of cancer the root of it now that it's a very complicated process but the root of it many times is inflammation that irritation the immune system sort of gone wild on a particular organ Yes. So the basic mechanism is anything that irritates the liver, it could be a medication, it could be an antibiotic, it could be alcohol, it could be just fat because of uncontrolled diabetes or somebody being overweight. It could be a lot of other rare things that we just talked about. Those risk factors or irritants over time can damage the liver cells or the hepatocytes. And when the liver cells get damaged, then the liver enzymes go up. That's why, you know, we talked about the fact that anyone who's had elevated liver enzymes needs to see us to get evaluated because that is a sign of irritation of the liver cells. That over time causes inflammation. Now the liver tries to heal by laying down scar tissue. It's a mechanism to repair. And that scar tissue over time gets permanent, it's irreversible, and that can cause cirrhosis. It doesn't happen overnight, though. That's very important to know. Right. Do, do patients tell you, uh, well, I would, I would say the one fact about the liver that most of the public knows is they're very proud to tell you, you know, Dr. Kadali, the liver can regenerate. And, and they think that the regeneration of the liver is the cure-all. Don't worry, I could abuse my liver. It's going to regenerate. But really, that regeneration is what leads to cirrhosis. That's correct. So, you know, the whole, yes, and I hear this all the time yeah. in the office. Oh, well, do doesn't my liver recover? Can you just cut a part of the liver and the yeah. rest of it is going to grow back? And right. we hear this all the time in the office. Um, yes, the liver during the repair or the regeneration um, tries to clear or 
get itself better, but in the same process, you know, the scar tissue lays down in the liver, which over time becomes permanent. And once it's chronic or it's been there for a long time, it's irreversible. And that's what a lot of people fail to understand. And that's where this whole discussion about can you cut a part of the liver? Can you do something to fix it comes back? Well, you know, I think the, the idea that the re- liver regenerates is their, their get out of jail card to think that, well, I could drink or I could uh, sort of abuse myself, but don't worry, it's going to regenerate and it's going to be all right. But they're, they're really, in a sense, fooling themselves on that. That's so true. So the regeneration or the healing only happens to a certain extent or only like a time frame perspective, you know, early on. Right. But once the the injury continues to happen, then there is no coming back and there's only so much or, you know, so much chance your liver gives is what I tell my patients. Yeah. Now, the other the other question that came up was this this notion of primary liver cancer, cancer that's originating in the liver and then what we would call maybe secondary cancer or metastatic cancer. Clarify that for everybody. Yes. So primary liver cancer is the cancer that arises within the liver, or that's where the liver cancer arises, within the liver cells or the bile ducts that are present in the liver cells. So the more common kinds of primary liver cancer are hepatocellular carcinoma, and the second kind is called cholangiocarcinoma, which right. is a cancer that arises from the bile ducts. In contrast to that, the secondary cancers or metastatic diseases are cancers that arise in another organ and then spread to the liver. The reason being the liver filters blood from different parts of the body, specifically Mm -hmm. from the GI tract. You know, your small bowel, your colon, the blood goes through the liver and is filtered or detoxified. In that process, cancers that arise from colon or stomach or breast or lung can go to the liver, and these are called secondary cancers or metastatic disease. You know, a lot of the times when when new patients come and you, you get a family history, they say, oh yes, my grandmother died of liver cancer. I want to get checked out. Uh, When you really dig, it is they had breast cancer that went to the liver. We're still interested to look at them, of course, but it's, it's a clarification. You really, when you try to organize your family history, you yourselves, and this is, this is what we're trying to do tonight to make you better understand primary, secondary cancers, really try to clarify what did grandma, grandma, that's my New York, (laughs) grandma, what did grandma have? Was it breast cancer that went to the liver, lung cancer, you know, colon cancer, et cetera. So it's, it is important. It is very important. And as you rightly said, if it's someone who had cancer somewhere else and then, you know, it spread to the liver, like melanoma can spread to the liver, right, right. that's different compared to someone who actually has risk factors for liver disease. And because of being a family member or related to that person, your risk for cancer goes up. So it's really, really important to spend an extra minute or two in the office to kind of clarify what do you mean by positive family history. Yeah. I, you know, I would, I would say it really is is it it runs hot to cold as far as family really knowing their history and i think this is just a, take a second to talk about this that it really is important that you know your family history all too many times people come up well i didn't know what grandma died from i didn't know what my mother died from and my brother he died at 42 years old and you know i have no idea so all of this, whether it's liver-related or not, it, it is important because you could tell things that you're at risk for. 
That's so true. So it's, you know, we talk all about all of this more in uh, context of heart disease, right? right you know, right. everybody knows their family history for heart disease, but it's equally important to know other relevant cancers in the family, because if there's a family history of a certain kind of condition that runs in families, then that person needs to be screened. For example, you know, there's this hemochromatosis, which is an iron overload condition. Right. If a person is positive for mutations in that gene, then the family members are at risk for iron overload or excess iron deposition in the liver and in turn risk for cancer is higher in those patients. So it's extremely important to ask and spend time, you know, with the family members, elders in the family to say, what what's, what was the reason Uncle XYZ died or Uncle Joe died, Uncle, you know, Chris died of, you know, this specific sure. cancer. Yes. Yeah. Very key. Last, last question. And this, I, I thought this was probably the simplest question that people were asking is what do they need to do to stay as free of liver cancer as as possible and and again as we were saying earlier the 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 people that listen to the program they are very much health centric they really want to prevent heart disease and obesity and lung disease etc so this is an expected question that that listeners would give. But if you had to sort of go to 30,000 feet, that big overview, how do you prevent getting primary liver cancer? What would you say? Fantastic question. So I think the take home point being, you know, knowing your risk factors. And, you know, we talk about this. There are certain things called modifiable risk factors and non-modifiable. Sure. Non-modifiable is, you know, you just come, you, you're at risk for certain things because of genes, you know, where you're born, which country and things right. like that. Uh, but there are modifiable, modifiable risk factors, more important, you know, things are, of course, stop smoking. Smoking increases your risk for liver cancer. Mm -hmm. Stop drinking alcohol or at least cut down drinking where, you know, it's not considered problem drinking anymore. Infections like hepatitis B and C, which are extremely important, easy to treat these exactly, days, right. uh, you need to be screened for those. And we talked about this in the last segment because there are fantastic drugs out there to treat hepatitis C and cure them. Mm -hmm. So knowing your risk factors, seeing your primary care physician, talking and assessing what your risk factors are and getting tested and working on lifestyle, diet, and exercise is the key to reducing your risk for cancer. That is it in a nutshell. Yes. And we're almost proper length of time tonight so it's it's uh it's very good all right dr kadali thank you so much um more questions i mean that is the deal just go to drjogalati.com and if you want to find dr kadali she is at houston methodist hospital all right final word thank you so much again for having me you know come it comes down to again figuring out what your risk factors are seeing your doctors regularly and working on your lifestyle that's the key all right thank you thank you thank you all right stay tuned there is more your health first i'm dr jill galati stay tuned we'll be right back Final segment of this week's Your Health First. I want to thank Dr. Suda Kadali again for coming in and raising your understanding and thinking and thoughtfulness of liver disease, cirrhosis, fatty liver, and what 
each and every one of you should be thinking about. Think about your liver. If anything else tonight, think about your liver. And as I was saying earlier in the program, if you're getting into the mood of gift giving for the holidays and Christmas and you need a great stocking stuffer, drjoegalati.com, number one. Sign up for our newsletter. Number two, get information about my book, Eating Yourself Sick. Eating Yourself Sick, How to Stop Obesity, Fatty Liver, and Diabetes from Killing You and Your Family. A bold, a bold title, but it is reality. And as I, I was always saying, what we're doing this holiday season, if you go to our Instagram page, which you can get to through drjoegalati.com, or simply on Instagram, at Dr. Joe Galati. Send me a direct message, an instant message, and we will uh, personally sign, autograph the book, and send it out to you. So contact us through Instagram. You could also send me an, an email through drjoegalati.com, but uh, Instagram seems to be, for many, the uh, the easier way. All right, so... In the final few minutes that we have here on this lovely Sunday evening, this is a story about cancer, and it's about mice, and it is about exercise. Sounds familiar. And it is worthy of the Your Health First Air Raid Alert. For everybody to get together, get a pencil, think, slow down, stop for a second. That is the telltale sign of a major public health announcement from your your Health First team. Okay, so this is how exercise might affect immunity to lower your cancer risk. And so for everybody listening out there, who is not saying, man, oh man, what do I need to do to reduce my chance of getting the big C, the big cancer, that dreaded, dreaded phone call, the dreaded conversation, you have cancer. Never a good one. Now, there are certain cancers, certain malignancies that will happen no matter what. Your genetic DNA is just pre-wired, pre-programmed that a certain cancer is going to develop. But when you look at the, the majority, a lot of these cancers are lifestyle related. And a lot of them have to do with obesity. And so Exercise is a key cancer prevention strategy. And so this is a study that was recently published. This is hot off the press from the Karolinska Institute in Sweden, a world-renowned research facility, Karolinska Institute. And what they did, very simply, they had 
mice that were in a uh, certain mice that were prone to cancers and tumors. They had two groups, one that were going to exercise and one that were sedentary. So we had the couch potato mice and the get up and go mice. And what they found is that the mice that exercised did better. They did not have cancer tumor growth. And what they looked at, a certain cell within the immune system, the CD8 positive cell. It's one of the white cells that fights certain types of breast cancer and other solid tumors. And what they found when they isolated and looked closely at this particular part of the immune system, these CD8 cells were hyped up, they functioned better, and were better at suppressing the tumor. The ones that were laying around not exercising, not so good functions or regular function. So then what they did was they took the CD8 cells from the exercising mice and they put it into the sedentary couch potato mice. And guess what? Those cells from the exercising mice worked to cut down on tumor growth. And so this is really pretty amazing that exercise actually functions to improve the capability of these cancer-fighting, cancer-preventing white blood cells within the immune system. Now, you may say, okay, this is like little mice running around. What does it have to do with me? Well, we, we have been looking at this for a while. There was a large-scale study in 2016 that showed that highly active people were found to be much less likely to develop 13 different types of cancer compared to those that rarely moved. There was another study last year, I believe, by the American College of Sports Medicine, and they concluded that regular exercise may reduce the risk of developing some types of cancer by 69%, 69%. So this connection between exercise and reducing cancer, multifactorial, it's a lot to do with it. Everything from blood flow to amount of lactate in your body, it seems like lactate which normally is released by exercising tissue, may somehow augment the function of these immune cells. So your, your plan for tonight, get up and exercise more. Think of this as a vital part of your cancer prevention strategy. All right, I'm Dr. Joe Galati. We will be back here next Sunday night. Thanksgiving is just a couple of weeks away. Stay well, exercise, eat right, and we'll see you then. Thanks for listening today to our podcast. Don't forget, for more information, check out drjoegalati.com. Information about my book, Eating Yourself Sick, is available there, as well as our clinical practice, radio program, and social media links. We need you to be part of our tribe and community. Until we meet again, I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Ciao.